Well, you know, there's always overlap. You know, the 80s really didn't phase out until about the mid-90s. Anyways, the know? 80s weren't really the 80s until like 84 anyway. Exactly. All right, should we do new episode number two? Yes. <coughs> episode three, yes. This is episode three. three. I mean, two for the night. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Change yeah, that before I say the wrong thing. Yep. <clears throat> All right, howdy, and welcome to episode three of Cast Protection. Cast Protection is a podcast that discusses the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I am joined by Dave Atterbury. Hello, friends. And Mr. Chris Tyler. Hello. And this is Chapter 3, Holly Jolly. So in the opening, uh, Barb wakes in the bottom of a pool, but there is no water. And it's a gray twilight with everything covered in the same kind of growth we saw back at the lab. Monster's down in the pool with her, and she tries to escape all the time screaming for Nancy. Meanwhile, Nancy and Steve are having sex for the first time, and Nancy is distracted, though. Obviously. Uh, well, she's distracted for what's going on, but she also seems a little distracted, like maybe she could hear like Barb. I don't know. That's kind of what I took out of it, at least. So maybe she yeah, kind of yeah. hear, hear yeah. an echo of her crying for help. Um, but Barb doesn't make it out of the pool. So sorry, sorry, Barb. Um, in the episode proper, Nancy puts on Steve's sweatshirt and goes home, and her mom is waiting up and demands to know what is going on, and Nancy says nothing. The next morning... Jonathan wakes up his mother, uh, wakes up to his mother feverishly talking to a dozen lamps in Will's bedroom. She's losing it. Um, it appears she's losing it, but we know she's right. In Mike's basement, the boys gather their supplies to continue the search in the Mirkwood forest after school. Dustin tries to get Eleven to levitate the Millennium, pardon me, the Millennium Falcon with her mind. Um, Mike again asks Eleven to hide in the basement and meet him under the power lines at 3.15. She is going to lead them to Will. At the high school, Nancy feels different now that she slept with Steve, like everyone is staring at her. And she also noticed when she goes to class that Barb is in at school that day. Hop and his deputies pull up to the gates of the National Laboratory, and Hop talks their way onto the site by playing up the we're just a small town in distress. I know the kid's not here, but please let me just check this off my box kind of angle. So back at Mike's basement, Eleven has eaten a bunch of the snacks the boys had brought with them and is indeed making the falcon fly with her mind. Bored, she sneaks upstairs, and she again tries out the recliner, then turns the television on. She flips from the address, uh, from an address from Ronald Reagan about Lebanon to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, yes. to yep, uh, to a jewelry, uh, some sort of jewelry commercial, um, to a gospel song, and finally she lands on a commercial for Coca-Cola. And this makes her flashback to a memory from the laboratory where she is sitting at a table trying to crush a Coke can with her mind. She does it, and with her nose, it makes her nose bleed slightly from the effort. At the buyer's house, Joyce has gone beyond the lamps and pulls out her Christmas lights. She strings them all over the house, and then she goes into her workplace to get even more. Back at the lab, the security director explains to Hop that there is no way that Will entered the ground. There are too many cameras on the property for anyone to sneak past. Hop asks to see the tapes from Monday, and they go down into the lab to watch them. There's no Will. 
So as they leave, Hop reveals that he actually knows that they are lying. There was no rain on their ta- on those tapes, but it had rained on the night uh, that he asked them to see. So down in the lab, Brenner, uh, Dr. Brenner, is overseeing preparation outside the growth that's on the wall. And meanwhile, back at Mike's, Eleven looks around Nancy's rooms wistfully and looks at her pictures of her and her friends and, and of Steve. And that then cuts the high school, where Nancy sits with Steve and his friends at lunch, and they are being gross about the night before and the party they had. Um, outside the middle school, the boys search for stones for Lucas's slingshot. It's a wrist mission. rocket. It's a wrist rocket, sorry. I wrote slingshot. Yeah, I can recall exactly what it was called, but yes, it's a wrist <laughs> rocket for their mission to Mirkwood. And I'm just going to keep calling it Mirkwood. It's the forest where Will, outside Will's house and also outside the lab where he went missing, but they call it Mirkwood, like from Tolkien, so we're going to call it Mirkwood as well. Um, the bullies make jokes about Will being dead, and they bust up Mike's chin. So Jonathan develops his uh, photos from the night before in the high school darkroom, but not before another girl notices them and notices that it's kind of candid photos of uh, Nancy in the window at Steve's house. He hurriedly pulls them all down. Home with her new supply of lights, Joyce uh, hangs thousands of Christmas lights all throughout the house. Mike's mother, Karen, shows up with a casserole and little Holly in tow, and Joyce awkwardly invites her in. Hop and his deputies head to the library to do research on the National Lab and discover that Dr. Brenner was part of MK Ultra and was sued for possibly kidnapping a woman's daughter. We also know that we learn that Hop got it on with the librarian because she's not happy to see him. <laughs> Which that was that was definitely you know I love how the humor gets worked into the show. You know it's 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 just enough to kind of break the tension a little bit because his deputy's reaction would be like the librarian. And it took me until the last episode to realize the deputy is the same guy who plays Turk from Daredevil. Oh, you're right. You're totally right. <clears throat> yeah, just a little more facial oh, there. But it's man. the same yeah. actor. Yeah. One is, and his hair is a little longer on top too. I think maybe or, yeah. He, you're right though. It's totally. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. Wow. Good, good get. That's good. So he's making a living off these Netflix original shows. Good for him. He's a good character yeah. actor. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So let's see where was that. So um, Karen, we're we're back at the buyer household. Karen explains, um, I should say, Joyce explains away the Christmas lights by saying that they were Will's favorites. Uh, Karen comforts her while Holly follows a string of those lights into Will's room. They light up one after the other and kind of lead her into the room. And all the lamps she had in there before increase in intensity and then go out, which we know is a sign that the beast is near. Holly sees the wall begin to bulge, just like Joyce had the night before, but Joyce pulls her away just in time. Nancy calls Barb's mom from the school and unsuccessfully tries to ask her about where Barb is. She's starting to freak out. Uh, in the parking lot, Steve and his goons stop Jonathan to mess with him about his pictures from the night before. They tear them all up, and then Steve breaks Jonathan's camera. Nancy sees Barb on a shred of one of the pictures, and so she gathers up a bunch of them and goes off with Steve. Um, Eleven goes to meet the boys under the power lines after school like they had planned when she sees a cat, which makes her flash back again to an attempt to kill a cat with her mind in the lab. 
She's under duress and she just won't do it. So she's thrown into her windowless cell that we saw from the previous episode. But in a blast of telekinesis, she smashes one of the orderlies into the tile wall and snaps the other one's necks. Uh, Brenner carries her away as she is very weak now. The boys arrive and it's time to go searching for Will. Waiting for the basketball game back at the school, Nancy decides she can't stay any longer and she leaves. Uh, L, as they're walking through the wood, asks Woods asks why the bullies would hurt Mike. She can tell he isn't being truthful, so he comes clean about being pushed around by Troy, the mouth breather, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Mouth breather? What is mouth breather? Um, Nancy finds Barb's car exactly where they left it the night before and is officially freaking out that something terrible has happened to her. She goes into Steve's backyard and looks around the pool, and then she walks into the edge of the woods. She sees something run off or run by in the woods and is terrified, and so she runs away. Joyce is startled by her dog barking, and the dog has noticed that a string of lights are on. They lead over to a wall with a console cabinet or some sort of cabinetry. Joyce sits with a bundle of lights at the base of the wall inside the cabinet and asks if Will is there. The lights light up incredibly bright. Weeping, she tells him to blink the lights once for yes and twice for no. She asks if he is alive, and he blinks once for yes. She then asks if he is safe, and he says no. She's trying to ask him where he is, but the lights have gone dark. So she gets the idea to paint the alphabet on the wall of the living room and gets to work. Uh, Nancy comes home crying and tells Karen that something terrible has happened, and she means obviously with what with Barb missing. Hop and Powell, the deputy, discuss their findings to the library, and Powell just can't buy that the lab really stole a little girl. Hop isn't suggesting that the lab took Will, but maybe that he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, or maybe saw something he shouldn't have. They then get a call to come out to the quarry that something has been found. Um, the kids arrive after dark at Will's house. Um, Elle says he is there, but he is hiding. And this confirms to Lucas that L is not telling the truth. They hear, then see a bunch of police cars and ambulances rush by, so they jump on their box and they follow them. Inside the house, Joyce asks Will to talk to her, and he lights up the wall to say that he is right here. Joyce is confused and asks what that means and what should she do. Will replies, R-U-N, run. And in that instant, the monster begins ripping through the wall, and Joyce runs. The kids ride down into the quarry where a large group of state and local police, including Hop, gather on the shore. The kids hide behind a fire engine as Will's body is pulled from the lake. Mike refuses to believe and turns on Eleven for lying to them. Joyce is stopped on the road by Jonathan and they embrace. When Mike gets home, Karen sees him in tears and gathers him into an embrace mirroring Jonathan and Joyce. And that is the end of Chapter 3. Yeah, <clears throat> that ending, man. Whew. Yeah. Did not no, see that one coming. Uh, and I and I think I said this to you guys before we started recording the last or we started recording I should say, but this episode I definitely when I watched this one it was wow. The you know, the show is good, but I definitely feel like this kicks it kind of to that next level in terms of the story and mm-hmm. the emotion and where it's gonna go. So yeah, I mean this this episode is where I think it really starts to come together. Um, I've seen other people on Facebook say that this was the episode that got them hooked to the end. I had a, a friend say something along the lines of, you know, oh, this show's good, but I don't know why it's as crazy as everyone is saying. 
And then episode three comes on, and it's like, okay, I'm going to make a, go make a pot of coffee. You know, I'm going to have to plow through now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because on the one hand, you get the confirmation that Will is alive. Yeah. And then in the real world, quote unquote, um, people are saying he's dead. So, yeah. instant hook right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, and it was even, even, it was his body being pulled out, but it was also like shot in a way. You never really sh- see it. You never see it. Yeah, no. it was shot in like either long takes from the shore, or even the up close takes. It it isn't like it's almost too close to see the full picture of what they're doing. So yeah, you don't uh, really see a clear view of the face. And I think that's body. intentional. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, trying to make us wonder if it's really him or not. Um, no, this episode was really, really good. Um, I, well, we'll, we'll, we can talk through some of these notes I've got here and, and we'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. But we start the episode, I guess we, we're beginning to learn a little bit more of how the monster works. It has pulled Barb into what seems like a negative version of our world or a ghost version of our world or something. You know, we're all comic fans, but it kind of reminded me of like the antimatter universe or maybe the negative zone from the fantastic four or something yeah. like that. Like it's our world, but it's like a inverse or a mirror of our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the show gets, does give it its own name as well. Um, in only a way that a kid would do it. So sure. it's, uh, we do have that <laughs> to look forward to as yeah. well. Uh, but yeah, we start to see that there really is more than just, our plane of existence, um, right, yeah. and this kind of confirms it. It's not just a monster running around. It's a monster that has the ability to go somewhere else. Yeah, well, that's that's the sense you get with Barb. I mean, she's right where she had been, but oh, yeah. but she's not, you know, but she really isn't. You know, she's in the pool. She's still in the backyard, but she's in the other place that looks like ours. And the monsters in there with her, and so that was pretty scary. I thought she might actually make it out there for a second, but I uh, too. yeah. But now it pulled her back in. Nancy was maybe if Nancy had been, fo- you know, a little less busy. You know, yeah, yeah, not so <laughs> distracted. She might have been able to rescue her, but Barb well, paid funny, the price. I, I didn't notice it until the second time. You know, you see Barb for a moment when she wakes up. You know, she's choking and spitting out water. And, oh, and I, and I, I literally had the thought, that. I'm like, oh man, like, so basically the monster, like, drug her to the bottom of the pool. Yeah. And threw to the other side, and what a, oh, yeah. Like, you know, that. like, what a, you know, and to me, almost imagining that is worse than, than seeing it. Yeah, it's very horrific. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a great, uh, what a great opener, what a great transition into the opening credits, you know, with that, that song playing. As both Steve's theme and the monster's theme, you know, I've been waiting for a girl yeah. like you. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That was just, that was awesome. That well, was and I love, I mean, there, you know, and it, and maybe it's, I'm sure it's a benefit of having kind of a set number of episodes, a shorter number of episodes, but they're really giving us, you know, they're really not giving it to us all at one time, but just bit by bit expanding what's going on here. Not only do we learn more about the monster, but I really feel like, you know, we joked about last episode being kind of an ET type of scenario with L. 
but you really do start learning more about her in this episode and what they were doing with her and what they were, you know, I yeah. think we're to infer they're trying to make her into some sort of weapon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the flashbacks with her, you know, like we said last week, were not only like really intense, but also like sad and emotional. Uh, yeah. you know, last episode we had the one where she's being drugged away and she it was similar this week, but you know, she she's learned a little too much for them to control her anymore because she obliterates the guys that were throwing her into that yeah. into that cell. Yeah, I can't remember if it's a later episode. It probably is, but I remember you know thinking like because one of my favorite books and movies from Stephen King was Firestarter. And um, yeah, it's a pretty clear connection here. Right, right. Or, or Carrie, I, or Carrie. I mean, yeah, and that I got too, tons I think, of Carrie in this too. Yeah, that very that that definitely starts in this episode. I think it I think that's a lot more prevalent. I think it's the next episode or maybe uh, maybe episode five where they really go into that. Um, this one reminded me a lot of of Poltergeist. You yeah, know? sure. Just the the feel of it and and um, you know everything with Winona Writer's uh, Joyce character and wow, uh, she really kicked it out of the park in this one. Yeah, she's playing you know? she's playing frantic like. Like she's really frantic. Yeah, it's, it's not even a performance. It's and it's again, it's it's indicative of the acting on this show. Nobody's really doing actor actorly stuff. Yeah, um, it's very naturalistic, and it's mm-hmm. her breaking down is is heartbreaking. It's it's so real. Um, just seeing what she's going through, and it, it as soon as those lights started flickering, and I said, I know where this is going. She, the net, and I, it was the same, it, it was right. She's back at the store and she's buying every single Christmas light in the store. Yeah. Because what else would you do? I mean, right. it's oh, yeah. exactly the, the most real reaction that a human being would have. If the, if the lights are talking to you, you're going to buy more lights. Yeah. 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 I mean, it definitely reminded me, like I said, of, pol- like I agree with you, of Poltergeist when, um, the medium comes to their house and lets her speak to her daughter. You know, that was the kind of, I mean, that's what I really got out of her. That's a very powerful scene in that movie. And when she's talking as crazy as it sounds, she's talking to a bundle of Christmas lights, like huddled in a cabinet against the wall. But that was a powerful scene. Like, I don't know if it was just, I don't know, something about that like really touched me. Like it was really, really good. Oh yeah. I mean, she's acting against nothing. She's I, like, I know. She's that's what I'm a saying. Prop and that's yeah. it. Yeah, but it was very like. I mean, she was emoting, but it just was just. If I guess if I was thinking, if I was in that scenario, like yeah. my reaction, if I could, you know, if my son, one of my sons, was missing, and I found some way to speak to them somehow, you know, how powerful that would be. It was. It was good. Yeah, I mean, goodness knows, I've been in the garage crying over a bundle of tangled Christmas lights many times in my life. <laughs> That's different. But, uh, That's different. She, uh, yeah, she, she really, she did so well. Just, you yeah. know. That's just a yeah masterclass in acting. Well, and not only that, she did really, she did really well in the first episode when she called Karen to see if Will was over there. The kind of, like, mortification on her face that she didn't know where her son was and now she let out to one of these other you know nosy moms that she didn't know where her son was mm-hmm. i feel like she her reaction when karen showed up with her casserole 
was like, oh, great. Yeah, come on in. You know what I mean? Like, and it's similar yeah. to the boys too, where they, the boys, they don't believe Will's actually gone. She doesn't believe Will's actually gone. So they don't have what would be like, they're almost faking their sadness or whatever to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not being completely how yeah. they would be if he was actually missing. If they didn't know the truth that he was still there somehow. Um, anyhow. So I thought that was good. Um, I guess the next thing I had here was that Nancy's storyline, you know, the chase, you know, goody goody joining this kind of crew of ne'er do wells reminds me of a lot of the brat pack, you know, movies of the eighties mixed with the teenage crews. You'd, you know, see in your typical slasher film from about the same time. Oh yeah. Those guys are all slasher bait. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah. 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 Poor Barb would have been the one who lived though. Yeah. Oh Poor no, Barb. she sipped that beer. That oh, well, did, she, did yeah. she get the beer? I think did she sip it? No, she did. She, she slashed it, her so. hand. She slashed her hand. So, so I she should have had any beer. Yeah. Well, then there they go. There's, you know, it's the it's the exception to or it's the exception that proves the rule, you know. They're they're kind of turning that on its head a little bit, but uh, they definitely, I mean, there's not much to those guys. Steve is kind of interesting because I kind of feel like he's not as, like, douchey or jerky as his friends, you know? But then I can't tell if it's because he's just trying to, I mean, he, he was pretty cold to Jonathan when he thought Jonathan was taking weird pictures of him, which... It's, hey, you know... He was. He yeah. was taking weird pictures of them, which that, we didn't really talk about it at the end of last episode, but... Mm. What was he, what was he really trying to, I mean, he was taking pictures, I guess, of like broken limbs and twigs and stuff in the woods, but like, I don't know what he was really hoping to accomplish. It, that was, that was kind of a little unclear. And well, I, I think, I think he's got a crush, you know, it's always, he's got the crush on Nancy. Sure. He has a crush on Steve. Steve has a crush on himself. Yeah. So it's your classic <laughs> triangle of everybody has a crush on the wrong person. So. I think that's what basically we're, we're supposed to believe that he just kind of, you know, he's got yeah. the hots for Nancy and yeah, it's, you know. it is and it is a little bit creepy, but I mean, he was he was out looking for his brother. He was looking yeah. for anything. Yeah. The fact that he stumbled onto this group being jerky, should he have turned around? Probably, yeah. yeah. But he's a photo bug and he's kind of a loner and he's a little odd. Well, and yeah. he's emotionally upset his brother's missing and everything else. I, he, if that's the case, he just needs to be a little more discreet in the in the dark room when he's uh, <laughs> yeah, gonna develop his photos. Yeah. Well, and I think it was obviously like, <clears throat> in the in the in the in the confrontation. You know, I think the because the photos were a convenient excuse, but Steve is obviously way more threatened just of Jonathan and period. Right. Because I think even he's. Uh, clued in enough to realize that that nancy you know doesn't completely hate jonathan so right right um, yeah well, she yeah, she had that scene where she went to speak to him when he was hanging posters up yes. yeah um so he's he's got he's at defcon too with <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that's now. the thing nancy is very much a teenage girl trying to find herself she isn't a bad kid right no. and she is trying to you know, she does care, but she's also trying to 
find her own identity. And if that's going to be hanging out with these bunch of jerks, you know, I mean, we've mm-hmm. all kind of been there, I guess. You, you know, you hang out with a couple of the kids that you probably shouldn't. It's not really what you're really into, but, you know, you're trying to find some sort of acceptance. Right. So it's, we, we all, we all kind of fumble through that stuff when we're. Well, that's, that's what I was saying. Yeah. It reminded me of some of those, like, Hughes movies from the 80s, you know, Pretty in yeah. Pink or even, uh, yeah, something like that where she is definitely trying to fit in, you know, maybe a little unsuccessfully, especially with everything going on with Barb, you know, the guilt of possibly, you know, hurting Barb because she had done all this you know, it takes its toll on her over the course of the episode. Yeah. And it's, um, a lot of that stuff kind of falls away once she decides to start go looking for Barbara. And then, you know, in parallel, all of these characters are kind of realizing that something's going on. Yeah. Hopper has it on his end when he's, he knows that everybody's lying to him. Joyce already knows. The kids already know. And now Nancy is realizing that there's more going on than, you know, just a missing kid when she sees the thing run away in the forest. Yeah. Yes. And that's one of the other great things about this show is that it doesn't, it doesn't hammer the slow burn, but it gives enough of each character is sort of coming to the realization that something's off on their own and it doesn't feel forced at all. It feels pretty natural. It's like they're right. not trying to rush to it. They're letting every character kind of breathe and yeah. letting them find it out yeah. on their own. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's they're all kind of on their own, stumbling into pieces that, you know, Joyce is experiencing things that no one else is, and so she knows that something's going on. Hop and all them, or Hop and his deputies have been to the library, they've been to the lab, they know something's going on there, which he mentioned, or he found an article that said they were part of MK Ultra, which I Googled because I vaguely recalled that from like yep. X Files or something like that. But it basically was CIA sanctioned, you know, experiments on people with psychedelic drugs, all kinds of stuff to basically see what they could do with their minds. You know, could they read minds could they use their minds as weapons all kinds of crazy stuff and it was like a real experiment and one of my favorite books i didn't realize it was related but is uh sometimes a great notion which is ken kesey as in like one flew over a cuckoo's nest and he that's how he basically inadvertently started like he got lsd out into the real world uh, and inadvertently started that whole scene and the hippie movement and all that kind of stuff because he had been part of MK Ultra at one point as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a very uh, that definitely is a real thing. And how we'll see it, I guess we'll play it. It plays out into the show, you know, as we go along. How yeah, about it's Hopper? Not, it's the, not the last we'll hear about it. Yeah, yeah. How about Hopper and the librarian? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to get she, with the librarian? Well, she she was you know she was. Uh, in, I just she love the humor. Like an old doubt. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. funny. She's, that was great. She's a fine-looking girl, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. I just but, love uh, his reaction. Yeah, you know when uh-huh. she when she gets after him, never calling him back. Oh, uh, I guess I should wanna, have. You want to go out <laughs> later this week? Yeah, smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh mercy. Yeah. But yeah, no, I like I like his you know how he's all of our characters are, are putting puzzle pieces together and um again I don't think it's too big of a spoiler to say that, that we won't have to wait too long for them to to share the pieces with each other, which I like. So Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So. Awesome. Well um what other notes we have here. Let's see, I don't know if I had much else. Let's see here. Uh, I did say that the dog was sensitive, which is a typical thing in these kind of movies where, you know, the dog knows something not, something is up, but the dog was aware at least that the lights were all lighting up, and that's what kind of led uh, led Joyce over there. And um, and I guess I just said the last one I had. We've already kind of touched on that. Barb, uh, the beginning with Barb also explains L leading them to Will's house, you know, when they go through the woods, she's going to use her powers, I guess, to lead them to Will. And she goes to his house and says, he's there, he's hiding. And that's when Lucas, you know, it kind of confirms to him that she's full of crap, that she's lying, that she's not really who she says she is, or, you know, that, that she's not really part of their gang, that Will's not there. Yeah. Lucas is, uh, Lucas is very, uh, independent minded. Yeah, he's um, he's kind of skeptical of what's going on here. Yeah, you got to have one of those in the group, though, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, no, I mean, uh, Dustin seems to be kind of the one that just wants everyone to kind of get along. Yeah, he uh, does, but he's also he's willing to kind of push a little bit too, but not in a bad way. Just like, hey, float this thing with your mind. Come on, do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Well, well, it's interesting because I think you know, like even Eleven doesn't really know how she knows. You know, she she knows about her more overt mind powers, making things move, pushing people, whatnot. But her psychic connection to this other place is something that, you know, even she doesn't really know fully what's going on. So, you know, and it's also a girl that doesn't have a very expansive vocabulary. So every time Lucas pushes her for answers, you know, she can't really articulate it to what he wants to hear. So, right. Uh, She's a little more vocal with Mike, though, so... Yes. Maybe she's only willing to uh, talk to those that are going to talk to her. The right she likes yeah. the Mikey, so... They, they definitely have a, a connection, for sure. Um, yeah. He he definitely is helping her kind of figure out, and... Am I wrong? He's saying to her, do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? And have we heard... I've actually watched a little bit further than this episode now, but I swear Dr. Brenner says the same thing to her. Maybe not in this episode, but oh. maybe some of the future episodes. Like, mm. I want you to do this. Understand? Uh, pick up on that. I'll do, be um, wary of uh, trying to yeah, lose that yeah, as we we'll go be watching that, for sure. We'll, uh, we'll have to keep our eye out for that. Well, anyhow, uh, that was what I had for this episode. Did you guys have anything else that you kind of stuck out to you the also again i feel like they kind of killed it with the the peter gabriel song you know ending the episode on the right tone you know a lot of the shows about it uses the periodness of it and the music and even the decor and everything that's going on for tone and for mood and i felt like the song really yeah the peter gabriel version of heroes is not the kind of triumphant version that the David Bowie version is. Right. And it's right. um it's slightly ironic that that's the song that's playing, but that 
version of it is so much less empowering, I guess, than you know the the version that you'd normally hear on radio. Right. Um, it does kind of fit in. It's like, yeah, that you know, all these characters are kind of heroes, but yeah, right now things are not looking so good. Well, that's what I thought about the the, the little boys. You know, they it, to them their friend is in danger. But there's a sense where I don't think they realize what kind of real danger they all are in. To them, this is like another campaign. Yeah. In some ways, you know, they got the superhero friend. She's cause she, she's like the X Men. You know, yeah. uh, they're on this hunt for her, him. They're gonna find him, and then that song kind of lined up against them pulling Will's body out of the water at the end. Kind of almost is like showing them how foolish that thought was. You know. So it's kind it's of a good. hard smack of reality, but right. if they didn't realize what they were dealing with was dangerous before, it's a little I bit more real now that the fact that something got pulled out of that river, right? The quarry, right? Um, but uh, you know, there's more to it, so we'll just have to uh, stay tuned. Awesome. Well, you can reach our show at Cast Protection. Uh, at gmail.com that's our email you can also hit us up on twitter and that is at cast protection that's the handle on twitter if you like this show and you'd like to uh, show, you know, share your insights about it or share what you thought about it please shoot us an email or hit us up on twitter um, we might, I might put together a facebook page as well we'll see between now and next episode and that might be a little easier for people to reach out onto as well so thank you guys for being here and we'll come back with chapter four next time. See y'all later. I, I will be king. And you you will be queen. Though nothing Drive us away. How we can be heroes just for one day. How we can be us. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks.
Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.